0: I wanna talk about the rumpus room nope one. Okay, go for it. <laughs> That's perfect example. <laughs> we embrace the fact that there are almost always children in any space that need to use their bodies in like big motorways. Mm-hmm. And we call it rumpusing. Mm-hmm. I forget who came up with that. Mm-hmm. I know it's a, Let it's the a thing wild rumpus kids books. begin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And so we have a space with mats and some semblance of not a concrete floor for them right. to have big motor movements and you know wrestling or mm. you know physical games and we've gone I think all over the spectrum with how much supervision that activity requires Oh. So as a as a community we we believe ha- that it's incredibly important for young people to have unsupervised time and mm. that's a commitment we share. And sometimes when they're engaging in these kind of big physical games, it it can be really good to have a someone there to hold the space for when there's someone gets hurt or the group can't zoom out and look at what's happening, Mm. because everyone's just in it. And so we've had conversations about, should the rumpus room have toys in it? Mm. Or is that a hazard? Should Mm. the rumpus room be supervised? Or can kids be trained to supervise? Mm. If kids are certified to supervise, how many kids can they supervise? Mm. And so I think over the... 13, 14 years I've been here, it's been all over the map with mm-hmm. that. And at the moment, we ask the kids to get a staff person to be present in the rumpus room. But last year, kids could supervise up to four kids. Hmm. And so this whole like idea of risk versus hazard is something we talk about. And we're just so committed to the process of figuring out what's appropriate, and then if people have big red flags go up, which is what happened when the kids were supervising the rumpus room, we just changed it. It just can be kind of casual like that and just reflective of who's there.
1: This is the Agentic Schools Podcast, where you will learn about schools from around the world where children's agency to make decisions about their learning and living is more important than their academic skills. I'm your host, Don Berg. Hello and welcome to the Agentic Schools Podcast. This is Don and I am here with Kathy and Nopawan of the Village Free School. So Kathy, Nopawan, what I like to start with is tell me a story about someone who really took advantage of what the school has to offer, really got great value out of being there and and taking advantage of what is on offer.
0: Well, I assume you don't mean myself, although it's probably <laughs> my, <laughs> feels like maybe my best story, but so yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, okay. So I started at the school in 2010, and I came from a completely conventionally educated background, so Mm. my whole childhood, and then college, and then career as a seventh grade public school teacher. And I was pretty unhappy, and mostly around these concepts of getting to eat when you're hungry, or Mm getting to use the bathroom when you need to pee. And uh, especially in seventh grade, it's so obvious how dysfunctional it is to group large numbers of people exactly the same age together. Mm -hmm. And so those were things that very much frustrated me and I felt like I was inflicting harm rather than, Mm. or, the harm I was inflicting outweighed the benefits I was providing. So I I was like, I'm just going to do something else. (laughs) And I went and did something else. And I just feel this big pull to working with young people. So when I moved to Portland, I just started looking up alternative schools and had no idea about democratic schools or I don't think I'd even heard the term agency before Mm. so but I just knew I wanted to be with kids in a different way and I searched and found the village free school went to a free school 101 my mind was completely blown (laughs) and at the same time I was like wow this sounds like a lot of work
1: (laughs) Mm.
0: so not not totally convinced until we the person started talking about the graduation process and Hmm. our graduation process is so, I think, substantial and meaningful and very extremely reflective of the person doing it. And it resonates so strongly with me as something that would have been incredibly valuable in my own life. And that was the moment when I was like, sold. (laughs) This is the work I want to do. So, and, over these years, since 2010, what I've learned is, there's so much about agency and, and collective liberation and personal freedom and care that isn't actually just for kids, it's for mm-hmm. all the people involved. And I always like to quote Akilah Richards, who's one of my favorite people Uh, not that I've met her, but just inspiring person that we're raising free people. And that includes ourselves. Mm. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And, and I, so I think like, when I think about my own experience with free schooling and self-directed education, I think I'm, I'm the biggest benefactor Mm. to, to date. So I, I've learned so much about myself and, how to show up authentically and i could I could actually go on and on, so <laughs> maybe I'll
1: pause there. nope Juan, do you have a story like that
2: i or, or um yes, actually I could think of um a student who recently graduated <laughs> from our school, and I'm still beaming thinking about his story and how he came to find our school, and it completely. Uh, change his life and that's his word that um, so I think um, he was probably around um, maybe 13 or something like that or 12 when he came to our school and you know and it it took him a while to realize what wasn't working for him at Mm. the previous schools and And he felt, and after he, you know, stumbled upon our website and read about what democratic school or free school or self-directed education is about, and he just kind of wanted to give it a try. And Mm. he, you know, has a very, you know, specific characters and also, you know, loves like a couple subjects and are really good at it and felt like a lot of the experience that he had from previous schools didn't just meet his needs and and apart from that like the social environment the friendship everything feels very hard to make it Mm. to make it the way that he wanted and as soon as he found our school it it wasn't that everything instantly became a miracle or magic (laughs) but it (laughs) but it is bits by bits of this learning Hmm, so it is this like a slow transformation and realization of himself, who he is, and what he's capable of and what he can offer um, and how to be a part of a community and still fighting his own voice and following his own path and dreams about things that interest him. And it, I had an opportunity to actually did an interview for new families who would like to join our school and we had some students you know attending as part of just is either sit either sitting in to like listen or provide some perspective but he chose to to say something to the that prospective family and mentioned how this school has changed his life and he just never thought that could be it could be like this and so and he you know Kind of continued with us a few more years and finally started the graduation process and follow his dream and path and and now is moved on into college and just you know like i see that i see that i know that even even though maybe he might have been in a different like you know traditional previous schoolings, he probably would still get where he wanted to go but maybe the the three of four or five years he might probably have felt a lot of confusion, a lot of um, a lot of maybe uncertainty and who knows what that would do to his sense of self and his sense of his own you know ability to achieve things in the world and he also became, he just said that I'm just happy like to, Mm. to be here and you know to kind of like that's like that's something that I know it's like it a fuel for me, being a part of this community, continue doing this work. Mm. So that's, that's one of the stories of the students.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, so, so one of the interesting things that I find about, about democratic schools, um, and, and particularly speaking about how people find their, their way is it that that what the school provides is more of uh, ways that people interact with each other, so it's decision making and and uh, you know conflict resolution. Um, talk a little bit about how that works at VFS now, um, like like what does it look like uh, in terms of what decisions are being made and then, and then how are our conflicts resolved? Mm-hmm.
2: Do you want me to go and open one? Sure, <laughs> I can add more.
0: Or go for okay. okay. Um, so an exciting thing is that Village Free School is turning 20 this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, anniversary year. We're all so That's... excited and proud. <laughs> and over 20 years, you know, a lot of things kind of evolve over time. And I think especially with like a living community. And so I think in some ways, it all is the same and it's all very different. Mm. So I think what we've gotten really good at as a community is thinking of ourselves as a community. So mm. the kids have a a program that they attend with staff, but it's really for the whole families. And we have a community of parents and grandparents and um, caregivers who, Really are also engaged with this work. so the kids do conflict resolution very robustly, and so do the families and so does mm. the staff and so does the council. So I think that's a an, was a vision and our evolution to that has been I think really beautiful. Mm. So primarily we use mediation. And not mediation with a capital M that follows any sort of mm. prescriptive thing, but just this this idea of hearing each other
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and getting to speak our own truth. And the point being not just that everyone gets to do whatever they want, mm. and in fact we say that's not what we do, but right. it's a place of collective freedom. So we get to do what we need. We get to do things that we want. We also have to take care of each other and respect each other's freedoms. So there's this, I think, a very strong sense of collective freedom, collective liberation mm-hmm. that's kind of evolved mm-hmm. over time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, one yeah. thing that I remember from, from you know, it's been a while since I've been really involved, but um, was that there was kind of the three unchanging i don't know if Mm you call them rules but principles can you Mm -hmm. articulate what those are again and
2: yeah it's um the first and foremost is take care of yourself Mm um um which you know literally literally mean um just kind of go eat check in with your body whenever you need to go you can go use the bathroom whenever you need to, so you don't have to ask permission. That's like the part that we trust mm-hmm. children to have that agency over themselves. Um, so first, take care of your, take care of yourself and your body. And the second is take care of. Um, is, it, is it is it the um, the school things?
0: <laughs> well, the first one is yourself and each other.
2: Okay, okay, okay. I yeah, missed yeah. something because I the don't people. recite it all the, the time. Yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes, it's the people. And the second one is like the, the, enri- the environment and the things around in the mm-hmm. school. So, mm-hmm. our supplies, you know, the school's furniture and, mm-hmm. and all, toys and all of that. And the third one is the re- to respect the freedom of others, which is mm-hmm. what Kathy mentioned. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's still okay. around, it still has not changed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that <laughs> I remember one of the things that that developed, probably about the time you arrived, Kathy, because I think it was about the time I was doing my research, which would a bit of a year later, mm-hmm. was that that there was a uh, uh, when new rules were being proposed, they had to refer to one of those in order c- as a, as a form of justification. Is that there were there? I, I think the the sensibility at the time was that people maybe were popping in with random thing, like ru- some rules felt too random. And so mm-hmm. to kind of rein it in, there was a collective agreement to say, well, if you're gonna propose something, it has to refer to one of these fundamental mm-hmm. principles. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still a thing, but, but that was kind of a, you know, and, and that brought it home to me how important those things were to the community is to say, w- we're not just gonna arbitrarily throw rules around Um, Famously at Summerhill, Zoe Redhead at one point told a reporter, like, we have more rules than other schools. You know, they had a rule book Mm -hmm. of like 175 rules or some, you know, crazy large number. (laughs) Um, But their rules were different because they named names, you know, like they were making very specific rules about, you know, they had a thing about knives being of a certain age, but then some very specific child who had demonstrated skills and so there was a rule saying this person, mm-hmm. this specific person has an exception to that rule because, you know, it was like, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I think that that's, that's an interesting way to develop, but mm-hmm. but it would seem like the, the village free school approach was, you know, not to perpetuate so many rules, but mm-hmm. to use the, the, those core principles, core rules, if you would, um, as a way to sort of, okay, let's keep it simple, but keep it, you know, coherent around those kind of fundamentals. Um, uh, and, and then I remember also, uh, you know, the this was at the campus on uh, up above 82nd. What was, it? you remember? You were there, Kathy. Foster. Foster. Yeah, I'm fa- foster. Um, and I remember that, that there was also a, uh, you had some older kids who took very specific training in mediation, in some form of mediation, as a resource for the community. Now, I know that some of those things fell by the wayside because you've changed campuses several times uh, since then. Uh, uh, but, but that, but I think you're talking. You know, as you talk about that evolution, I think that's really interesting. Um, so, so, so tell me a bit about like um, how the conflict resolution would proceed. Sort of, a conflict arises. What happens?
0: I'm no ones our so, resident enthusiast. So no. <laughs> specialist, I might say. Well,
2: <laughs> we we all, we all are. We, we we do have these posters around the school. You know, we it's it like what Kathy has mentioned that is like in a, a little bit of an an, of an evolution. And mm. we in the past, you know, we used to have some very specific word that we used. Mm-hmm. For example, it was like I challenge you. Which is right. like, I need a mediation with you, basically. Mm. And sometimes in a context of like all of the emotions <clears throat> rising up in the, in the very heated moment, it's it, it is actually perfect. Like I challenge you, like to break everything off, and then mm-hmm. everything is paused. And then the people around, which is you know, maybe one of the staff or one of the facilitators, they could hear it, and then and then they can kind of interrupt and offer support. But in a lot of the uh, in a lot of the situations, it, I, the word I challenge you or come in with such aggression, also mm. didn't land very well for a lot of students or particular types of conflict that more like involve emotional feelings or, mm. you know, for for the even for older folks who whose there is a conflict, there's something that is said that is hurtful and mm. you know feelings have been hurt, but it is not exactly appropriate to be like i challenge you so Mm -hmm. um so we we have renormed that idea and not exactly saying that you have to say the word but just bringing this idea of a mediation um just exactly just use the word mediation to Mm -hmm. um from the very beginning as like a language that um, kind of familiarize the students, the part of, um, community members to know that that's what we do. And even though you don't understand it, it's okay. When it happens, you will understand. Like, and it's like what Kathy mentioned that it is just about somebody holding the space um, for you to be able to speak your truth and you know say how you feel and be able to listen to other people involved as well. So that's kind of how. We have been uh, shifting since mm. I I would probably say around the pandemic time or a little bit before, but still everything is still like a process that is still evolving, and it's it's it it is like sinking in to the students, you know, as like a living community. The students start realizing that, and we the posters. On the schools would also say, you know, what to do when conflict arises. Mm. Um, we we would say start a conversation, and you can get help from a mediator, and everybody can be a mediator. Um, and from um, from time to time, we would have like a mediator training or mm-hmm. a mediation committee um, to kind of, you know, see who who among students who are some of the people who are. Um, interested and you know and enthusiastic to learn more about some of the tools and then we do give them some kind of training and give them like guidance around like languages that we use and so we just try to kind of build that and just hopefully that but still encourage that everybody can be a mediator and Mm -hmm. and but if you not know how maybe just get help get help from a facilitator and Mm -hmm. all of our staff um, you know our Enthusiastic, um, enthusiastic, and and knowledgeable, and like, willing to support, mm-hmm. yeah. In in kind of being that role of holding space for people, but that's kind of how we have been doing it, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, it's been pretty successful so far. Kathy has just recently, you know, help um, a conflict kind of among the older teens, and you know, with mm-hmm. this like a larger group, not just two parties, but like in a group mm-hmm. setting. So mm-hmm. every day we learn. Every day we. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we learned something new as well for us.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. have you, have you, um, do you have sort of a more formal process as well? Like back at that previous uh, iteration, there was a kind of a a write-up process that was available. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that that dropped um, as soon as you moved to tiny, the church space uh, that was so small, you couldn't, nothing could wait. Um and then as far as I know it didn't come back the last time I checked in has has anything arisen since then like a more formal write up type of thing as a as a way to work on it
2: Mhm it actually came up f- came back for a little bit when we mm. did uh what we call mediation committee and we called it the MC which is okay. we actually learned about you know the Sudbury, uh models and we're trying to we learned the JC system, the Justice mm-hmm. um, Committee, right. and we, we wanted to kind of twist it in a way that would be more like appropriate with our community. With mm-hmm. the students, um, you know, we have a lot of our students are also like we have a smaller community and we don't have like, you know, our students population is around 65 students right now. Mm-hmm. And we don't have like a person that's like holding being the judge and stuff like that so um so we called it the mediation committee an mc and we have a write-up form and but we just almost like you know try to kind of imitate everything that they do but then um adjust it to kind of what would um, serve us and it lasted for a while probably a year and Mm -hmm. um and again and we have like a write-up form and mostly you know people said what happened what they need out of this and then we have a mc meeting and we call that person in we Mm -hmm. either help them do mediation then or or um finding out what happened from the other party and kind of try to offer them some resolution Mm -hmm. yeah but again this process takes a lot of work and a lot of commitment from from students themselves and we have always been a school that you know if there is an interest from students we'll go all out support that but if yeah. there's not exactly you know a drive from students where we don't want to just have to keep doing it just for the sake of doing it
1: yeah yeah
2: so so that didn't like last like very long um, well the pandemic yeah. happened. The pandemic yeah, happened right. that's true. <laughs> yeah and true. then, yeah. And, then mm-hmm. and then everything shifted. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah, those major disruptions really you know, I mean like change changing culture. campus mm-hmm. change, yeah. you know go go all online. I mean it mm-hmm. just yeah, it changes everything um, yes. and 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 I, and I think that actually is is kind of uh, one of those it becomes an opportunity to to reexamine mm-hmm. when, when once you come back together. I mean, you had some process being mm-hmm. virtual, but then coming back together and sort of saying, okay, you know who do, who are we now? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I find that that's a really um, almost so, so this first season has mainly focused on on well-established schools. like 20 years is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> so And so one of the things that I found consistently is that there's that every school has gone through these transformations of one kind or another. Um, sure, the pandemic's a big one, uh, but like uh, Brooklyn Free School gave up their property. Uh, now they're mm-hmm. you know setting up a new campus, and you know th- there's just there can be so many different ways that that these transitions happen. Um, but I, I think that one of the things that really speaks to school communities that are vibrant and alive is that those aren't an ending they're mm-hmm. they're a transition and they're and they're a re-examination who are we who are we now mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what is it that we need to bring back and what is it we need to leave behind um, mm-hmm. uh, oh one, th- one thing that, that I was uh, is just so much oftentimes fun is um, you know we were talked about you know I challenge you um, and mm-hmm. that's sort of like a, a, a jargon that you developed and I remember um, stop seriously I was wondering mm-hmm. if that's still around uh, mm-hmm. But and but if, what are the what are what are some jargons that are, are you know maybe new ones maybe old ones um, that you, that are in the community um, but that might be kind of cool if if they were adopted more widely.
0: I mean, we've always felt like stop seriously was pretty awesome.
1: Um, uh, <laughs> although, hey, explain for our audience. Explain what it means.
0: So stop seriously is like you're playing. Sometimes it's confusing whether the person really is like, whether things are going well or not. Mm. Um, And sometimes people say stop and mean something else. And so just for clarity of communication, we have a tool called of boundaries. Yeah, we have a tool called stop seriously. And when someone uses that, it's like, I wanna be really clear about my stop right now and and I love that over the years that there's been, you know, people have pushed back on that. Mm-hmm. And kids have said, you know, why isn't my stop good enough? And we've had, mm-hmm. I think, really great meaningful conversations about that. And, and I think all of it can be true and still have Stop Seriously be like a really useful tool. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just, you know, it's a way, it's another way into a conversation about how to take good care of a person as an individual, you know, that might not have worked for them. And they actually get to say that. And the person is the the important thing, not the, the rule or the tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, when I think about our school over the years, it's like, I think that's the best way to describe why we're, we are still so vibrant is that concept of like the people being the most important thing mm. and we don't subscribe to things that box us in or you know we got pretty over the justice committee scenario back at Foster Road but it came back because the people who were present it felt useful to them it felt like mm-hmm. something to try and i think right. that's you know we don't have a list of the names of the people who founded our school it's it's mm. just about the people present and i think i got off track but i think that's just no, an I important concept to me about yeah i mean that things is the come point. and yeah. go right right mm-hmm. it, and, and that's and that's kind of back. the thing
1: is is mm-hmm. the beauty of it <laughs> is is that it is about who's present and who's who's yeah. currently here um and th- th- that's one of the I make in in one of my books is is to say that that what so I consider VFS to be a holistic school and mm-hmm. and I make a distinction between shallow holism and deep holism because mm-hmm. a shallow holism says, you know, what like is a reaction against the typical mainstream school in which, you know, the school shapes the student in a certain way and they're going to get a certain outcome and it's going to be a certain way. And mm-hmm. then shallow holism says, oh, but we're going to include this. We're, we're going to have a nice experience for the student. We're not just going to have one size fits all. We're gonna mm-hmm. have, it's going to be a better experience for the student. But it's still a school creating an experience for that child. Mm-hmm. And what I, think that, what I think is a deep holism is a school that says the children who are here will change us as well. Mm-hmm. Is we expect mm-hmm. to be changed by our students? Mm-hmm. That's a deeper holism. Exactly. That's a holism that says parts mm-hmm. and wholes are interactive; they they, mm-hmm. they influence each other. It's not mm-hmm. a top down. It's not bottom up. It's yep. both. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's mm-hmm. it's there's a a way that we have created a community about caring, uh, centered on people, mm-hmm. and the people who show up bring their caring and so it's Mm -hmm. mutually reported but the structure of the community is such that that's the goal that's the point is that it is Mm -hmm. about caring and holding a space for caring Mm -hmm. however that's going to show up each time or each year it's going to be a new and different thing because there's going to be some new people and and some old people have gone away Um, and to me that's that deeper holism that's that deeper Mm -hmm. um, essence of like we're 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 really taking a whole view and mm-hmm. accepting that mm-hmm. we when we accept someone into our community, we're accepting who they are and that yes. they have something to bring.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. So. exactly. Yeah, I really appreciate that framing because it, me too. it's it's such a good way into to this whole concept. And you know, sometimes just taking on. Self-directed education from the get-go is a little too much of a leap, mm. and so this is a mm. to me a way in for people to just start considering. Like, there's actually a whole other way we can think about mm-hmm. these communities we put our children into, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And to me, it's it's like isn't necessarily like that you said that you're going to pick a framework of something. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say we're going to do SDE with all capital. letters Mm -hmm. and then we're gonna provide check one two three like Mm -hmm. you know it's um it's i think it can be a guideline and it can be like something um something bigger like in the cloud that may be like Mm -hmm. a concept that we we it's some kind of values that we all um participate choose to participate in together and Mm -hmm. then it just us like the people in the community that make it a certain way and continue to carry it and change it and Mm -hmm. you know learn with it yeah
1: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so so one of the things i also like to touch on to shift directions there a little bit um is that that one of the big opportunities that, that that democratic schools free schools offer is the opportunity to take risks um, that other schools may not be comfortable supporting, um, and and there there I, I presume you still have a certification system. So tell our audience a little bit about when something comes up that you know it might be using you know kitchen equipment. It might be you know whatever something that either potentially dangerous, potentially controversial. Like I know the screens are a big thing. Um, how does it work so that that those risks are are um mitigated or, or that the, the risk is reasonable that's being taken
0: i want to talk about the rumpus room
2: nope one okay go for it <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect example
0: <laughs> yeah so we we embrace the i the fact that there is there are there are almost always children in any Space that need to use our bodies and like big motorways, mm. and we we call it rumpusing. Mm. I forget who came up with that. Mm-hmm. I know it's a Let it's the wild in rumpus. Begin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we have a space with mats and some semblance of not a concrete floor for them right. to have big motor movements and, you know, wrestling or, Mm. you know, physical games. And we've gone, I think all over the spectrum with how much supervision that activity requires. So as a, as a community, we, we believe that it's incredibly important for young people to have unsupervised time. Mm. And that's a commitment we share and sometimes when they're engaging in these kind of big physical games it it can be really good to have a someone there to hold the space for when there's someone gets hurt or someone you know or the group can't zoom out and and look at what's happening mm. because everyone's just in it and so we've we've had conversations about should the rumpus room have toys in it Mm. or is that a hazard should mm. the rumpus room be supervised or can kids be trained to supervise mm. if kids are if kids are certified to supervise how many kids can they supervise mm. and so i think over the 13 14 years i've been here it's it's been all over the map with mm-hmm. that and at the moment we we ask the kids to get a staff person to be present in the rumpus room and but last year kids were one kids could supervise up to four kids Hmm. and so this whole like idea of risk versus hazard is something we talk about and we're just so committed to the process of figuring out what's appropriate and then if people have big red flags go up about which is what happened when the kids were supervising the rumpus room Mm. um we just changed it and it's just it's not it's it just can be kind of casual like that and just reflective of who's there so Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah that's really interesting Um,
0: that's one example
1: yeah yeah yeah. Uh,
2: and I think it maybe connects a little bit to how you had asked earlier, Don, about how like decisions are made, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I think, and, you know, including screens, including using a hot glue gun, using all power tools. And so all of that is, it's, it's, I would say that it's a very, um, like engagement and conversation based that kind of how we make decisions and And then there's also, you know, kind of some entity that we have formed over the past few years, like a student couch, which is like a student Mm -hmm. council, that Mm -hmm. um, something that that, like, you know, some of these ideas, we like what Kathy mentioned that, all right, maybe it's not working, we should propose an idea that the Rumpus Room should be hosted by a a staff person. So we bring that idea to the student couch you know, which is comprised of a group of students of all age, mm-hmm. um, but a small portion, maybe six, seven of them, and then, mm-hmm. and then that conversation, you know, gets started, and then perhaps come up with some kind of proposal, and then that get brought into the all-school meeting, which is mm-hmm. everybody in the school, and then we kind of discuss further about what should we do, and this is basically the example of kind of. I think it's the engaged like the level of engagement and the level of conversation that we just have to ha- just you know need to prioritize for it to happen. You know, mm-hmm. in order for us to so- kind of come up with some kind of rules or agreement together as a community about what is what is like you know risk taking, you yes. know what good enough, what is taking care, what if um, mm-hmm. what is not, yeah. So that kind of yeah it's, it's a constant long process of mm-hmm. every every single issue that because mm-hmm. everyone's you know we are on a vast spectrum of you know what we think about certain thing like mm-hmm. you know somebody thinks screens are okay, somebody thinks there needs to be some kind of limit and mm-hmm. and everything in between so mm-hmm. we it's really hard to you know pinpoint or like you know say things as black and white so Mm -hmm. usually it's just a process that we it can be tedious sometimes that but Mm -hmm. that we all you know hopefully commit to be a part of that conversation and be Mm -hmm. a part of that change yeah yeah yeah
1: right on yeah that's so so one of the things that, that that typically in the US context there's not a lot of issue around things outside the school impacting the school directly we actually have pretty good protections for private schools that's you're in the private realm um are there any concerns that you have about issues outside of the school and its impact on that could have in the school it wouldn't be surprised if there isn't but is there anything on your radar that be of concern um
0: i mean kind of I feel like I could take this in a couple different directions so Mm -hmm. I think that as a community we're pretty engaged with what's going on in the world Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so you know wars and even school shootings like those are things that are very present in our Mm -hmm. collective consciousness Mm -hmm. and I over the years we've held that in a lot of different ways at the moment we have like a grief table at school and Mm. you can add things so we can kind of hold that, this kind of collective grief about wars, about the pandemic, about so many realities that people are facing right now. And we Mm. can kind of hold that as a community and not be, I think we don't want to be the people, you know, separate and just doing Our own thing for Mm -hmm. a few people exactly we have this idea that what we're doing is contributing to the dismantling of systems that oppress us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's something we hold very explicitly in our community and i think people engage with to varying degrees and mostly very robustly so that's
1: Mm
0: kind of one avenue and then in terms of like you know, Oregon is a state that allows there to be independent schools. So not every state allows that. And we, so we, you know, we have to do immunization records. We have to do Mm -hmm. certain things and otherwise we're not accountable to the government. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things come up like school choice bills that would, could possibly allocate money that, could benefit us. And we think of it more as like the bigger picture mm-hmm. of maybe that would benefit us in a small way, but what would be the other ramifications of it? And so, yeah, I think, I think what happens in the world definitely impacts us and mm-hmm. that's intentional.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I actually told a bit of a story about, that you know, mentioned on a previous interview um, I forget how it came up, but I met, talked about how VFS participated in the Occupy uh, mm-hmm. occupation in in, in Portland um, mm-hmm. for for a good long time. Um, yes, uh, I, I think it it was it was really interesting, you know, to to see a community response um, and mm-hmm. and a participation and and to contribute to the community. Um, as yeah. I recall, there was sort of a Taking the lead on making sure there were age-appropriate activities for children within the mm-hmm. occupation. Uh, I think there was a library uh, project as well. I don't know how involved mm-hmm. F- VFS was with that, but I know it was affiliated in some mm-hmm. way. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, you know that, that that so that's not something that is something that I think is is uh, has been true for a long time uh, in that yeah. community. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very cool. Um, so one of the things that, that actually I haven't been able to ask <laughs> very often. Um, some people look at look at the Democratic school environment and and they they think it'll be easy as in, like an adult, oh, it'll be easy. Now, I know that that's mm-hmm. for many adults, find it very difficult once they plug in. Um, but what are some of the things that that the staff has to do kind of beside what behind the scenes magic do you do to ensure that the village free school actually continues to exist and, and is, is vibrant.
2: Mm. <laughs> What's Any the behind magic? <laughs> well, if we say, say it won't be behind anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I think every one of us can probably see it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Like you know, mm, to me is to me, just personally, I think it's like is it's like the level of care and mm-hmm. and the and the relationship that we have and and feel like we commit to each other. And this is I'm just only gonna speak for the staff, like the working group that we have.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: as like the main folks that show up at school every day um, to be there for the students, to be there for each other. Mm-hmm. I think, and you know, that kind of like a deep commitment to care for each other. I think if you really hear and, and, and understand like what we could do for each other, it w- would be pretty profound, like mm-hmm. um, how we show up for each other, how we allow each other to be fully who they are and and knowing that you know each one of us is different and we bring different things and we mm. try to step up and step down for each other and mm it's almost like each one of us bring our own specific gift and we create the space for that to all be present mm. together so mm. and in in many ways that you know some, like we don't have like the same kind of like we all do these things the same together yeah, so right. so it's not like that and so we we are just who we are and we learn to commit to each other like deeply and to learn what the other persons are like and mm-hmm. hoping that you know knowing that this this is all we need to to yeah. make this happen so that's kind of how I feel and it's very very special and I know that it sounds Quite abstract. Um, yeah, but, you know, two of our staff have two babies, and so like mm-hmm. they bring their kids to school, and we get to see how these kids are raised, and we rest them together. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of them is nine, one of them is almost two. So, and that has been like, oh, you know, and I've been at the school almost 10 years. So, we have staff who you know, we're all just a diverse in ourselves, kind of. So, it just kind of all that little special magic that all of us ha- po- like possess a little bit, and then it just kind of filled in together in the pot. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We we intentionally moved to a non-hierarchical structure oh, okay. several years ago, and as you were talking of one, nope, I was thinking about. Um, Crystal Bird Farmer's book,
2: mm, mm. what was, what was the,
0: I'm spacing uh, on the name of.
2: I know the book, exactly what it looks like.
0: I'll, I'll come up with it, or you will. But she talks so much about when you can make a space where each person can show up in their unique leadership. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a it's a collective thing, mm-hmm. and like you were saying, One the staff are the ones with the most like playing pieces in the game. And mm-hmm. so we facilitate more than just the students experience. We facilitate our council having their leadership roles. We facilitate our ombuds people, which I feel like we should talk about what that is. And and because we see kind of all the parts moving parts mm-hmm. and while it's not up to us to do all of that work. We see and hold and facilitate a lot of it. And I think that's very much underneath. And then, you know, the way you spoke about how we hold each other was beautiful. And it's so true. And it's like trusting that we're all going to show up in our best and in our leadership and mm. we can cover you know, mm-hmm. when someone's low percentage, you know, mm-hmm. we, we're sharing it.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. so, so tell us what, tell us about the ombudsman, um, ombudsperson, what that mm-hmm. means and where, what, how it works.
2: Yeah, we, um, these are the, you know, part of the council, like the parents being, uh, elected to become part of like the board members. The board, the board of directors of the school that hold the financials, hold the kind of back-end admin stuff for the school. So we do have a group of parents who ev- every year we get to vote together, you know, who would like to volunteer to do that work. Um, we're so thankful for them because that's like the big part of kind of how our school has kept going. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, we also have these other... Um, Positions called the ombuds people and we have two to three of them each year again the same elected and change every year and they're parents of the students that are at our school. But mm. their roles is a little bit more specific in that they hold the emotional health and, you know, and um, the emotional being safety of the people in the school. Mm. So they kind of act as a, a, a mediator, a community mediator for us. So not just the staff, our mediators among ourselves or among for the students. We have parents who kind of help us um, be like a third party role that help us support and hold space and, and kind of have be the neutral party that can help us support the conversation. It could be either between the staff and staff or it could be a staff and families and um or between families and families like just in case of uh, when conflict arise or when misunderstanding happens we or there's some kind of issue we just kind of have them be like the role that kind of cushion all of us yeah yeah so it has been um immensely important and essential as like how we function as a community together, and as we're also like growing, each year we enroll new families, so we always have new people come in and out of our community. So, yeah, so those roles are something that we are so grateful that we have it mm-hmm. in place to mm-hmm. kind of support us. Yeah, yeah, nice.
0: They're major culture holders mm-hmm. in that way that you're describing, Noble One, and they. It's, it's something that's evolved over time too. So when I started, there was one ombudsperson mm. and as a community, it's evolved to be multiple people and they do all kinds of things depending on who they are. You know. And we have one at the moment who holds space for a parent support group
2: mm-hmm. every
0: two weeks. And, and so it's just a way that people, other people show up in their leadership so it's not just the staff right and um and i think that describing it as a buffer was really brilliant mm-hmm. because no one cuz it's it's like the staff actually can't do everything mm-hmm. and show up to kids so how does the community then provide some of that support so yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah So it sounds like, you know, taking the idea of a deeper holism (coughs) seriously as well Mm -hmm. is that that you're you're um, looking to creating a larger space that includes and supports families more thoroughly than than some schools do Um, Mm -hmm. by having, you know, roles that that adults play in in a parallel. So so you have a staff that is responsible for s- facilitating the this school space which is typically the children's space mm-hmm. but then you're also creating not only the the circle um and the board but then having a facilitative role for mm-hmm. that level as well and to ensure that that families and families are interacting well um mm-hmm. so it, I, it really sounds to me like 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 you've really um, leveled up, shall we mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. Uh, or, around that—that that oh, yeah. ensuring that facilitation mm-hmm. is thoroughly going both directions, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like like all—not d- just both, but but all directions, all necessary directions. Yes, because mm-hmm. um, I know um, <coughs> it's it's not unusual in private schools in America to to have parents be a destructive force. Uh, potentially. Totally. That. And My so, God. so to really be <laughs> conscious of bringing in, uh, you know, your, your long experienced parents who then have learned facilitation and, and you maybe brought facilitation, uh, whichever it is, but to then ensure that that's happening on that level as well. I, th- I think it's great. Yeah. Um,
0: I, s- I strongly believe that we're still here 20 years later because we just from the beginning, there was an explicit path made for conflict, and we've used right. it
1: right over the years. Yeah,
2: yeah, and yeah. conflict that could happen in every level,
1: absolutely, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and does, yeah,
1: and anticipated, you know, like instead of seeing an ideal as you know, visualizing peace as an absence of conflict, say, yes. no, peace is the resu- is the process yes. of handling conflict. Yes. That is what peace is, not, yeah. not the absence mm-hmm. of. Um, no, that's not real. Right, right, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and, uh, and, and there was actually one other thing that I think is, might be unique to VFS, but certainly I first encountered a VFS, was a commitment to not being ideological. Is that mm-hmm. there, there mm-hmm. is no model.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. There's yes, just, exactly. you know,
1: who are we? <laughs> yes mm-hmm. um and I and I think that 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 is a strength that I think that underlies the ability to to flex in those directions is to to see the need and go ahead and and fill it um yeah is there's no mm-hmm. blinder on to say oh but we've we've got a system for that and we don't need to you know think about it again yes it's like you know we're, yeah. mm-hmm. we're always <laughs> thinking mm-hmm. about it and and mm-hmm. considering and reconsidering. Um, mm-hmm. Even when it's tedious, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think I think uh, I, I really appreciate the, 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 the way that we've talked. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and wrap us up. Um, so before we go, give our audience like, what are the ways that they can reach out to find Village Free School?
0: Well, one way is our website, Mhm which would be villagefreeschool.org Mhm And then another great way is to email the staff. We have a mm-hmm. staff at villagefreeschool.org which because we share everything anyway, that's the that's the best way to reach us.
2: Mhm It will get to all of us. and We also on Instagram if you like to follow us even mm-hmm. though we're not super active, you know. <laughs> Like, you know, not a daily update, but um, we do have that as another means of communication. You can Mm -hmm. just search at Village Free School and you'll find it in in Portland, Oregon. And you can DM us or, you know, you'll also hear we have like a, it's called Free School 101, or it's kind of our Mm -hmm. open house where we talk about our school. So we will post it over there so you can be in touch with us. Yeah. awesome i also i also i yes. remember that book now the name of it is the token oh, thank you the token thank you <laughs> <laughs> such a from, good book highly recommend <laughs> yes, from uh, crystal bird farmer okay
1: awesome mm-hmm. well thank you very much we'll say goodbye thank you don
2: thank you thank you don You're nice welcome. to see you again all
1: right